0: Over the next month, members of fellowship will have the opportunity to nominate new elders to our elder board. In our church governance structure, the elder board is made up of godly men who make critical and significant decisions on behalf of our church body. We are not a church with elders, we are a church led by elders. The nomination and recognition process are very important to the health of our church family and we ask that you enter into this season prayerfully. Here is what we're asking members of fellowship to do. First, please pray for the elder nomination process and discern whether you should nominate someone to the office of elder. Second, if you do have a nomination, please visit fellowshipnwa.org forward slash and complete the online form. Read the accompanying document entitled Qualifications of an Elder before making your nomination. Or if you prefer a paper nomination form, you may pick one up at the information desk located in the worship center foyer at each campus. The nomination form will be attached to the Qualification of an Elder document. Please mail paper nominations to the church office on the Rogers campus to the attention of the elders. The deadline for making a nomination is December 22nd. Please pray for your elders as we initiate the recognition of new elders. Finally, we would like to thank John Dyer and Doug Walker for their many years of faithful service as elders. They have done a phenomenal job of representing you and the Lord well during their tenure. When you see them, thank them for their service. And thank you for your participation and help.
1: Mosaic family, good to see you all. A lot of you are waving at me tonight. Friends of mine out there, I appreciate the waves. (laughs) My name's Scott. I'm one of the student pastors here at Mosaic, and I'm pumped to be here leading with my friends on stage tonight. Um, I hope that you have come ready to worship, ready to posture your hearts with humility before our God. Hey, we're gonna start by singing a a relatively new song. We've sung it once before. And in case you weren't here last time we sang this song, one of our high school students, Logan Self, shared some of his testimony before we sang this song. Um, And he shared about how the Lord has taken brokenness in his life, specifically um, brokenness that has led him to his knees in tears and in anger before the Lord, and how the Lord has turned it into blessedness. Um, and that's all that this song is about. So as you're singing this song with us um, here in a sec, uh, would you just remember as we're singing that the church comes together not, not just to proclaim the truths of God and to worship Him in spirit and in truth, but to also become one as we share our testimonies of how God has been good and gracious to us in our lives. So let's stand and let's sing Graves into Gardens together.
2: I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise treasures the fade. Never
1: To show you. The gift has become an opportunity for us to give back to God during the season of Advent and Christmas. Our fellowship family has developed a culture of generosity, believing that through the leadership of the Holy Spirit and in obedience to God, our resources can be used to make a difference locally, regionally and globally. Last year, the people of Fellowship gave over $600,000 to the gift, which was prayerfully dispersed by the elders to many worthy ministry causes. Throughout the month of December, you will once again have the opportunity to express generosity and gratitude through the gift. Your participation allows our elders to invest strategically in ministries all over the world, potentially including Fellowship Bentonville. You can make your donation online or through special gift envelopes available as you exit our worship centers. Thank you for your continued generosity and the difference you are making in the lives of so many.
3: Welcome and well done, Mosaic. I mean, as, as you see those faces, as you see those pictures across our city, region and the world know the impact that you've made is 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 Christ touching your heart but you acting and moving and making a difference in lives around the world so again we've we've got envelopes that are that are spread out across uh the back of the 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 sanctuary so please make sure you you grab one of those if, if the Lord puts that on your heart to give um, For those of you that, that haven't been here in a while or those of you that are online, um, we're so glad to have you tonight. My name is Scott Page and, and I work with the Disciple Making Communities and our, our Spiritual Direction Ministry here at Mosaic. And uh, I love a good cup of coffee. I love cheeseburgers. Um, I love donuts from my friend T's donut shop. And um, just love to sit down and hear deep, rich conversations and what is truly happening in the lives of people right now. And throughout 2020, things change a lot. I mean, as I was sitting down with a group of men today, they were telling me that our business has never been blessed like it has this year. My head just kind of turned like the, the dog does when you hear a dog whistle. Really, wow interesting and you know it's a season like that if we're blessed we're blessed to bless others that's who we are as followers of Jesus that we're blessed to bless others so how can we do that whether it's it's our time whether it's our talent whether it's our treasure as the gift talks about but how can we lean in and and do that with time talent and treasure um We're blessed to have an incredible spiritual family here at Mosaic. But what about all of Northwest Arkansas? Think about those that are outside of our body. As we prepare for a heart of worship tonight, I pray that we would prepare our heart, mind, and soul for what it is that the Spirit has for us tonight. In our worship That we get to enjoy and points us towards the Father. And then in the teaching that we sit underneath the scriptures, may the Lord transform our heart and point us in a direction that will lead us to love Him with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and to love others as much as we love ourselves. Will you pray with me now? Father, thank you for creating us in your image. Thank you for loving the world so much that you would send your son. Thank you for having the plan that you would give us the gift of the Holy Spirit to come and to be a guide and a counselor to us, a counselor in a season such as COVID. So please, Help us and guide us through this season that we're now in. But, Lord, during this specific night, would you prepare our hearts, minds, and emotions for what it is you have to tell us. In the name of Jesus, our risen Savior, amen.
4: This next song um, we're going to sing is really rich lyrically, and I like it a lot. Um, There's a couple lines that stick out. Um, no less God uh, in the shadows, no less God uh, when the, the, the night leads me astray, you're the heaven where my heart is. Um, and as I was thinking about that, just prepping on how to encourage us as a body, um, I think it could be really easy right now in our world to lose sight of who God is in the midst, in the middle of those things. And what a gift to know that our God's faithfulness is steadfast both in the darkness and both when we've done the choosing to stray, he's there and he's the heaven where our heart is. And so as we sing this next song, I would just encourage you guys, let it be a prayer, let it be a reminder um, through your singing and through your worship to remind your heart, not only is he the heaven where your heart is, but even when the night has led you astray, even when those shadows are there, he is that. So would you stand and sing this song with us? Thank you.
1: This scripture with me in your heads. It's a little bit long, so you don't have to read it out loud. You can if you want. But I'm gonna read this to us. As we just finished singing that song and have been in this place of worship where we are amazed, where we're just in awe at the goodness of King Jesus. Let the scripture from Colossians, this poem about the person of Jesus, speak life to your soul as you. Proclaim this as we remember this. It says this. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Colossians 1, 15 through 23.
5: about you and what you've done for us, God. I pray that we will live with the hope that we know what our future is, God. Remind us daily what you've done for us. God, I pray that we can live glorifying you.
1: Jesus, that is the prayer of your people in this room tonight. Have your way. Whatever it looks like, whatever your sovereign will is for our lives, for our church, for our communities, for our families, our relationships, our griefs, our joys, our decisions, our wisdom, and even in our folly, King Jesus, have your way because there is no darkness in it. There is no darkness in it. Praise be to your holy name, Jesus. Oh, how we love you. Amen.
6: I'm grateful to be with you here tonight, Uh, and I have a very specific prayer for tonight, a prayer that I've prayed every night this week, the same prayer and expectations that Paul had for the Berean church in Acts 17, that we would be a people that would receive this word with eagerness, that from it we would examine the scriptures daily to see if these things are so. Tonight's going to be a fun night. Uh, like our friends at Samaritan communities say that we would take a baby step towards learning to, to live and love like Jesus. That's all that we could ask for this hour together, isn't it? Just a baby step to know Jesus more? If you've been with us, uh, this is a you know, last week, we just finished up First Thessalonians. I love teaching through books of the Bible. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that goes chapter and verse, chapter by chapter and verse by verse, and just digesting that together and, and learning the, the, the fullness of what uh, God through the pen of Paul is speaking to a church, how they become a people that, that learn to l- love Jesus and live like Jesus. I look forward to next week as we start Advent. If I can give you a little bit of the, the vulnerable peek into my own heart, Advent has kind of always held a a sentimental place for me. But it's kind of like, yeah, it's Advent. You know, we're kind of we're doing it again. We're going to do the hope and the peace and the joy and the love. But with all of my being, I feel like not this year. Do you know why? Because I feel robbed from hope. I feel like joy has been stolen. I feel like peace, like a thief snuck in and took it. I'm looking for love, and, and, and I bet that's how you feel too. And so I, I've, I've never had such an anticipation for a, for a practical Advent, which is why this year our theme is Emmanuel, God with us, and how Jesus with us brings. He is our hope, our joy, our peace, our love. I anticipate it with you. But I really like nights like tonight. It's a little bit of a... You know, if you like the Psalms, that word selah, it's a pause to stop, to reflect. A night to ask questions, and specifically the questions of of who are we? What does it mean to be a part of Mosaic? Not just in this this crazy time of life, but, but in general. What does it mean to be a part of Mosaic? Maybe even where is Mosaic going? It's a night to talk identity, both as a individual and as a church it's a night to have your bibles open i hope you brought them with your pens ready we're going to be looking in romans 15 and 2nd corinthians 5 two very simple texts texts that i love that i pray would embed in our soul very practical advent texts to introduce that into our daily life How the unique identity and quality of God plays into, defines, who we are as a church and how do we move forward? How do we live? And if I was going to sum it up into one word, and this can be your your little Jeopardy test later. If somebody says, hey, I hear you go to church on Saturday nights. What did they talk about? You can give them one word, and it's this word, overflow. Overflow. And I have this this hunch, this theory that God has been writing this narrative, almost like he pulled back his bow and shot an arrow and the story arc that flies through the entirety of the Bible is an overflowing arc. Let me give you a couple just hint texts at this. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. So here's what that doesn't say. It doesn't say, oh, God really likes peace. He's really good at whipping up a good peace sandwich. And you can come and have some of that peace. No, he says, he is peace. By the peace is added or subtracted from circumstances, that he is peace and that he invites us into him and to experience his peace. Here's another one from 1 John Chapter four, verse seven, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is, say it with me, love. It doesn't say God likes love. Doesn't say he likes to watch a good lovey-dovey movie or a good lovey-dovey wedding or a good lovey-dovey story and go, oh, it's so neat. No, he is love. And then he says, so go love one another because I, God, am love. You know, there's uh, there's a truth in the Newman house and it's this. I am terrible at house projects. I mean, literally, I have absolutely no spiritual gifts when it comes to to renewing things within the house. And we even have a statement that you spend time to get money or you spend money to get time. But my wife says, sweetie, you spend time and money and neither gets better when you do house projects. They just get worse. And I know this and she's given me permission to know this. And so this is what I've done is in in my mindfulness, I actually take great delight in asking for help. I bet there's people in this room have been some of my helpers. In fact, I know it. I know that Josh helped me put together my trampoline. I may have held the net, but he assembled it. I know that Will, who loves to put together light fixtures and hang mirrors and get all that just right, he needed someone to hold the ladder, but he did the work. I know that uh, (laughs) my good friend Brandon, who's, when I said, man, i got to replace my toilet, whose face and head do you think were down on the floor tightening the screws? It wasn't me. He knew what he was doing and he helped. And when my wife walks in the door, you know what I say? Honey, I changed the light. And she knows. She knows I didn't. She knows that I'm actually celebrating somebody else's success. I'm participating in somebody else's great story. But but isn't that the way of God? Whether it's love or joy or peace or in this context, what we're about to go to in Romans 15, hope that it is a story he's written and that he has invited us into the privilege of being partakers of the battle he's won. That's what we're discussing tonight as we look at Romans 15, 13. Let this shape our our identity together. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we can't talk identity without going to our handy-dandy tool, the Identity Action Chart, which we use so often. It's such a good tool uh, to read Scripture, to counsel people, to be engaged. So we'll use it tonight, and we'll see what we can kind of mine for gold with this tool. So we start with this timeless theological truth question, the doctrine question. Who is God, and what do we see here about him? We see that this God of promise, a God of covenant, that knows past, present, and future, that he is a God of hope. Past the same God who looked into a stumbling, mumbling, stuttering fool like Jeremiah and could say, Jeremiah, I know you. I formed you. I set you apart and I sent you. Even though there's not one recorded convert in all 50 plus chapters of Jeremiah. That that God can look at Jeremiah and say, you can have hope In me, it's because our hope is not based on our man-made analytics of success. Success is that the God of hope delights in you and in me, hoping in God. We see a God that is the source, the definition of all hope. And the doctrine moves into the gospel, this question, God saves sinners through Jesus, hope for the hopeless, the question of what has he done? And it gives us the answer. He fills you. Now, before you let it kind of dot, 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 and say, fills you with what? Can I just like pump the brakes with you and pause and just, just like meditate on that fact? The fact that, in the New Testament tells us that God who holds the universe in his hand, the stars, the universe, the sky, everything in the palm of his hand that he fills you. There's something just beautiful about that, isn't there? What what grace, what intimacy, what an intimate picture of, of investment. And my story is a lot like your story. You know, the Some of my life could be that sin was knocking at the door. It was right there. If I was going to describe it, it was sin in me and me in sin. Everywhere I looked, I just saw it through a lens of sin. And yet God sends his son Jesus, ushers in the Holy Spirit, that when we trust in Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, that he fills in you, it changes everything. It would go from me in sin in sin in me to now, I in Christ and Christ in me. It's a whole new set of lenses. I've always wondered, what would it be like to follow Jesus, literally walk in his little dust as he walked? And yet Jesus says, you know the only thing better than God above you or Jesus beside you? John 16 is the Holy Spirit inside of you. Jesus fills us with his spirit. And that changes who we are, right? It changes. The chart goes on. It changes our identity. The question of, who am I? It says he fills you with joy and peace. Now, this is bigger than shallow happiness. Bigger than kind of the air quotes, I can't wait for back to normal. Bigger than porcelain safety or vain control. He fills us with his joy. He fills us with his peace. You've been around somebody that, regardless of circumstances, they just ooze this supernatural joy and peace. And when you ask them how they're doing, assuming that it's just gonna be a train wreck of an answer, and they say something like, you know, I'm good. You're like, why? How could you be good? because they've been filled with joy and peace. And then our last question, our action question that the text gives us. It's really simple. We're just doing exactly what the text tells us. When we are filled by the power of the Spirit, two things we're commanded to do. One is trust him. Trust him. He fills you when we trust him. So I have a question for you. It's a vulnerable question. you ready for it? Do you? It's a big question. Do you trust him? Now, I know in theory, many of you, whether it's a religious upbringing or live in the South or whatever kind of caveat answer you would want to give, you would say, Yeah, I trust in God. But in the swarming uncertainties, in the extremes of this cultural moment, I think a lot of us would say our trust might not be lost, but it's limping, it's hurting. Or as one of our community uh, small group leaders, one of our disciple makers said so eloquently, so vulnerably, that his worry has begun to replace his worship. Is that where you've been? Your worry, which is even more tangible, more practical, more steady in right now, more practical than your worship. And therefore, do you trust him? And the second one, first, we trust him. Secondly, we, we overflow. That's what it says when he feels us that we overflow. It's one of my top three favorite words of the whole Bible. It sends me to like mental imagery, spiritual imagery right away. And here's the deal. It's not based on circumstances. You overflowing the power of the spirit has nothing to do with what is surrounding us, what's falling apart. You wanna know how I know why? Psalms 23, you've probably heard it. You've probably read it. You've been to a funeral that talked about it. The valley of the shadow of death, the hurt, the pain. You want to know what it says right in the middle of it? My cup overflows. My cup overflows with the presence and the power of Jesus. So here's our big question. As we ask identity questions of tonight, what in the world does this mean for Mosaic? Well, I would ask, and maybe you could do this every day of Advent. Memorize Romans 15, 15, 13, and I want you to pray these two things. I want you to pray that God would fill us. And I want you to pray that God would overflow from us. I don't see pens moving, so the photographic memories must be just kicking in hardcore right now. That God would fill you and that God would overflow from you. When we talk about mosaic, man, this is our jam session right here. So let's start with Will fill you. If you've been around here for any amount of time, you know that we really boil down what we do to two things. We scatter, we gather. And both of these things are with a desire, with a heart, and with a passion that you would be filled. That you would describe your goings as, my cup overflows. So we scatter. We make disciples, Jesus pursuers, through intentional community. This is our our plan for practical and applicable spiritual formation. It is your vehicle as a part of the Mosaic family of connection to God and connection to others through disciple-making communities. And I would just add to that, friends, church is not an event. Church is a people. Now this kind of rubs some people wrong. Church doesn't start at five. This is a part of what it means to be a part of church. It's a family committed to the clunkiness of living as one. And if you've been in a disciple-making community, you know this clunkiness. The friends and family leave and you're sitting around your kitchen going, what in the world are we gonna do with this? That is the life, that is the hardship, that is the joy of pursuing oneness with the family of God in a disciple-making community. That's why your first invite for your neighbor or friend or coworker or whatever is not here. It's into your home. It's on a walk. It's in a lawn chair in your front yard, six feet away. That's your first invite. You know the best ministry that me and my wife have been a part of the last nine months? Carrying a note card in my back pocket and walking our street and saying hi to people in their garage and learning names and building relationships and inviting them into this slow, clunky process of a disciple-making community. Your spiritual family, known because you eat well together, You're vulnerable together. You grieve together. You rejoice together. You build relationships that last together. That's the first plan to fill you. Here's the second. Then, once we're part of scattering, then we gather. We come together in a liturgy of worship to pray, to hear God's word preached, To worship as one, to symbolize through sacraments, celebrating the things of God, a a transformed life. That's what gathering is all about. It's where disciple-making communities come together for a Sabbath starter. Saturday night church is kind of new to you. Buckle up for the goodness of starting your Sabbath and keeping a day of rest free so that your cup would fill up come and start your Sabbath with us as a part of Mosaic. So if a disciple-making community is a family, this time is a family reunion. And I love me a good family reunion. We're going to have some good ones next week, I bet. Probably under 10, right? Or whatever the governor's kind of new thing is. But we'll have a family reunion and there's going to be energy and food and connection and the cousins are going to be a foot taller and have a little like nasty little mustache and you're like, whoa, it's awesome. And end of the day though, you're going to go home with family. You're going to go home and you're going to change the world with disciple making communities that are scattered. And I'm not discounting this space. I've invested much of my life to these couple hours on Saturday night to equipping the saints, you, for the work of ministry, going. I've been in those same seats with you and I am week in and week out, singing with arms raised and eyes closed and somehow by God's grace, as the old song goes, the cares of this world seem strangely dim. These are beautiful moments together. And the goal all along to step back into the overflow of life together with your disciple-making community into the world. So that's the first prayer, that God would fill us through those platforms of scattering and gathering. Here's the second goal, the prayer, that God would overflow from us. I think this is one of the most grace-filled ideas in the entire Bible. It's an invitation that that which God is doing in the world, which he's doing in us, that we get to participate in. We get to jump into the guaranteed victory. His success becomes our celebration. And I gotta tell you, and, and, and maybe even I gotta apologize at times, you know, us pastors, we are not training you to sit and consume. That is not our goal to come and check a box because church is good and then go back into your normal rigmarole. That is not what the Christian life is all about. Now, we want you to step back in as CPAs in corporate world, as vendors, as students, as baristas, especially as baristas, as teachers, as all these different avenues and glorify God. The essence of his presence brought to every single corner of Northwest Arkansas. That's why you hear just kind of roll off all the time where you live, work, and play. That we come together, disciple making communities that scatter out, we gather together, our cups are filled, and then we go forth from here as missionaries into the world. The point of church is not coming, it's going, it's not seeding, it's sending. Church is not an Airbnb, it's an airport. And I would bet money that not one of you after this five o'clock service are gonna go hang out at the airport. You're not gonna go, where should we get dinner, dad? And he'll go, go, let's go get one of those weird wrap sandwiches at the airport. Let's go sit in those weird chairs and play chess with those giant chess things. None of you are. You know why? Because the point of an airport is not sitting and consuming. It's sending. It's going with expectations of a destination. And that is what church is for us. And that's been the story for the beginning of time. That's not a Matt thing. That's a missional God who looks at Abraham and says, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. He sends his son Jesus to step into our neighborhood And Jesus invites and ushers in the Spirit. Jesus sends the Spirit. The Spirit sends the church. He compels and inspires the church that the name of God would go forth, that the fame of God would be made known. And now we ask the question, how in the world would we ever do that? Is that what you're asking right now? How, man? That sounds great. I don't have a clue how to do that. Well, aren't you thankful that God's word tells us? Here's the second verse. We're going to stay in this overflow effect. Remember, when somebody asks you, what was church about Saturday night, what are you going to say? Overflow. Listen to the overflow. We'll use the identity action chart again. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18 says this. All this is from God. Quick pause, pump the brakes. When you read all this, you should ask the question, what's the this, right? The verse right before this 17 is the verse that I tell every barista that says, what name should I put on the side of the cup? It's like Newman, just like the verse. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new man. The old is gone and the new has come. That's what Jesus is doing. All this, that old is put away and the new has come, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself. Can you see what he did? Here's the gospel. He reconciled us to him through Christ, not through our effort, through Christ on the cross, through the gospel. And he gave us, this is huge, overful. He gave us the ministry. And then later in verse 19, it's gonna tell us, and the message. Of reconciliation. So, real quick, let me tell you reconciliation. This is a story I've told before. I'll shorten it and tell it again. Uh, Several years ago, me and Colin and a short team, we got to go to Rwanda. And we were standing in a church in which, late 90s, 10,000 Hutus were slaughtered by the Tutsis, two tribes in warfare. And as we stood there looking at this literal graveyard around us, a man who was in that room that day, he was one of seven of 10,000 that survived. He was seven at the time. He told us the story of the day and then while he's talking to us and our team, he points to a man that was behind us and he said, that's the man that killed my mom, my twin sister and my older brother. And we all turned and looked with jaws dropped like what? And this Rwandan man is wearing a hot pink Pepto-Bismol jumpsuit. It was a little shocking to the eye. And that man was walking and we're like, why is he wearing the Pepto-Bismol getup? And he said this, he said, when half the country slaughters the other half of the country, you can't imprison that first half, otherwise there'll be no country left. So a certain number of people are given the new life sentence, the life expectation, the life job title. And he said it in Swahili, but then he translated. They are now professional reconcilers. They were reconciled. They deserve death. They were given freedom. But with that freedom comes an opportunity to be a part of a reconciliation opportunity. And so this is what pepto Man does. He looks for hurt. He looks for division. He looks for polarization. He looks for enemies. And he steps in and makes the two one for the rest of his life. And I want you right now, when you ask how, I want you to put yourself metaphorically in that pink jumpsuit and put yourself in today. And when you ask yourself, how? How do I, filled with the Holy Spirit, overflowing, how do I possibly do that? And I think the answer is your expectations. It's what you've been saved from and what you've been saved to. You are now a part of the ministry and the message of reconciliation. To see division. To look for polarization, to acknowledge gaps, and step in through the reconciling power of Jesus. So, what Paul was writing to the church of Ephesus when he writes them and he says, Hey, you know what the mystery all along has been? It's kind of a big secret that now everybody's figuring out. Is that the world that is divided? That the mystery is that Jesus is uniting all things. Jews and Gentiles being reunited. Boy, that was not expected to work. Whether that's for racial reasons, whether that's for religious reasons, that wouldn't work. But through Jesus, all things are possible. Chapter two, he says, you remember how you used to feel? It's written to them, but I think this is written for us. Remember how you used to feel strangers and aliens and hopeless? In Christ, he took out the wall of hostility. You felt it in the last 10 months. He's taken out the wall of hostility. And he replaced it with peace. Peace is a person. Peace is himself. And he makes us, I love this language. He makes us members of the household of God. Translation, family. He makes us family. Where family would not work or exist, he makes us together. He unites us as one. And then if you just read through Ephesians or even just the the paragraph titles at the start, that reconciliation work works through Jews and Gentiles, racially, religiously. It works in marriages. It works kids to parents. It works bosses to, to those who work for them. Every relationship that has hostility and division, God is reconciling by the power of the gospel and a vision of reconciliation. Now, 2020, COVID is the worst. Is it not? I'm just as sick and tired as you. I'm trying to have joy and peace, but I am sick and tired of it. But get this, the words that you hear, you don't even have to look for it. You can be 12 seconds into a conversation. You hear words like polarization. I feel exposed. I feel isolated. I feel lonely. Have you heard those words? Those are opportunities and avenues of the reconciling work of Jesus for you to step in and be a part the message of making the two one. God uses moments like this. In my devotion time, I've been reading through Jonah. It shocked me a little bit that chapter two, the prayer of Jonah overwhelming thankfulness talks about how God rescued him and sent him on the right path of mission. You know where he's writing that from? The belly of a fish. Right after his buddies threw him out of the boat. That was his 2020. Belly of the fish. When he looks back to the worst moment of his life, it's when he's draped in seaweed. And he's saying, God rescued me and used this moment right now for reconciliation work. I don't know if we've ever had a time, at least in my life, so clear the need that the power of the gospel, the power of the gospel would overflow into the purpose of the gospel, of the old becoming new, the dead becoming alive, and the reconciling work of Jesus changing our city. And so as the staff has talked about this, like, this how, you know, not just in theory, but practical terms. We've been kind of affectionately using the word M&M's and eating a lot of M&M's, by the way, just, just to remind us. We've been talking about the M&M's, the, the, the multi-generational. There's people that feel lost and alone, both, both young and, and not as young. On both spectrums of things, people that need connection and love and grace. And how do we bring the reconciliation work of Jesus into those spaces? The multi-ethnic community, if you were here 10 years ago, you know how much our city has changed. Just picture with everything that has happened corporately and how our cities grow, what our multi-ethnic community will look like 10 years from now. By God's reconciling grace and work, our church would reflect our city. That'd be a beautiful thing. How about marriages? Does it bother anybody that Benton County has the highest percentage of of divorce in our country? That 59% of marriages end in divorce? That's painful. And how can we as a church step into that space with the reconciling balm and hope of Jesus Christ? Now, those are just three. There's so many more gaps, there's so many more margins that when we keep our eyes on the margin, margins, that, that we as the priesthood of believers, we can be the, the wind in each other's sails. So let me just give you a loving like, little warning. Don't become one of the whatabouts. Have you heard of the whatabouts? The whatabouts say things like, well, what about the special needs community? Are they not hurting? Or, or, or what, about, what about the abortion issue? What about trafficking? What about women in trafficking right now? Well, what about this? What about that? What about the, what about adoptive families that are struggling? What about, what about, what about? And I say this, praise God. That counts. Rally a disciple-making community on mission and vision together and experience needing the word of God and leaning into each other and grace and truth as you pursue bringing the reconciling work of Jesus into that place where you live, work, and play. Engage exactly what the Spirit is putting on you, even if it doesn't start with an M. It's a part of the M&M strategy. It's a part of going to the places that God would call this church to go to. Let me just close with this uh, You know, Mark 9 is a story about Jesus. And there's this little phrase, and he says, he says, anyone who gives a cup of cold water in my name, there's a reward. You know, this isn't isn't a what about story. This isn't about dehydration. It's not. It's about bringing Jesus the fountain of living water the reconciler, the overflower, he who fills our cups that we may overflow into the places that we live, work, and play. That's our prayer, and we would ask that you would join that prayer with us, okay? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for these people, these people that you have guided and steered here, you have uniquely gifted from every corner of our city and world to every single skill set that one could imagine. You brought us together in this big clunky party known as Mosaic. And God, would you bring us courage to respond, to love each other, to care deeply for one another, for the reconciling work that needs to happen in this body right now. Would you lead us there? For the reconciling work in our city, I pray just for the unity of God through Jesus by the Spirit that we would move forward together as one.
3: In your name we pray. Amen. Matt, thank you. I've I've had a lot of friends that have asked that question. Where are we going? Where's Mosaic going? Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Friend and mentor of mine always said December is a time to reinvent yourself. It's the perfect time of the year to reinvent yourself because by the time January 1 gets there, then you can, you can, you're already on your way. So I know with me, I'm just, the most horrible part of my life is I'm a busy person. I wear it as a badge of honor, Is just go, 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 go. How filled can I be? Um, it's probably been to the detriment of my wife and children that I'm so busy, Um, it's the detriment of of you and my job that I'm so busy. So I just confess that before you, my friends and family. Um, But I think these questions, that God would fill us, that God would overflow from us. So as we enter into the Advent season, if you're a family, this is the perfect time. As you exit these doors, there are going to be uh, people that are passing out um, these advent packets for the family if uh, if you 're not the nuclear family that uh, that has children within the home with you, then you can go online. Um, Mosaic Community, I know, is one place that'll have it. Um, or just go to Mosaic News, and you'll be able to pick that up. Um, also, just online with, uh, with just regular Advent, um, backslash Advent. You'll be able to get that. But this is the season to engage the scriptures on a daily basis and allow it to permeate you. I know when, when I was at the lowest point in my life, I sat on a bench and, and literally felt the Spirit say within me, Scott, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And that's where I think we've all got to ask ourselves right now. Matt challenged us with that. God can't do amazing things through our personal lives in this body if we don't obediently and faithfully trust him to do the miraculous through us our region can be impacted in all those li- all those ways that Matt mentioned as well as the ones that the holy spirit brings to your mind transformation is waiting on us let's pray father thank you for this community that you've gathered and Lord, I just pray that as we engage you in silence and solitude in the scriptures, in Lord, the Sabbath during this season, Jesus, that we will realize you're coming. We will realize that you are with us, that you never leave us, you never forsake us, that you are bringing this time, this season, for a reason and a purpose to recenter us, that we might honor and glorify you with new life that you have given us. May this be the most special season that we have ever experienced. Jesus, in your holy name that we pray, amen. Have a fantastic Thanksgiving in whatever way you're celebrating, and we'll see you for Advent next week.